So I'm Joan. Um, I work at the Center for Effective Altruism. I'm our managing director, which means I work with Max on strategy and um, get to support some of our programs, including our groups team. Um, this is a photo of me in college. Sadly, I'm an old fogey, so there was no EA group when I was an undergrad. Um, but I did have the opportunity to lead a city group, um, work with um, my company leading an AA group and at a consulting firm and then led uh, EA groups in graduate school. So this talk is in part based on my experience as a group organizer and part talking to um, dozens of organizers and building off of the strategy of the Center for Effective Altruism. So before I start, I just want to say like a big thank you for being here. Um, we think that university group leaders are a really critical part of CEA strategy. Um, we think that building up support um, and, you know, careful consideration of ideas of effective altruism um, at universities is a key priority for the EA community. So really appreciate um, what you're doing. I think this is kind of instrumental um, to uh, a bunch of things that can have positive impacts in the world. And movement that cares a bunch about data. So don't take my word for it. I want to show you some data. Um, this is a slide that on the left-hand side has um, uh, 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 an example of how engaged folks are with effective altruism. Um, engaged in this case, like five and four, mean folks making significant life decisions based on effective altruism principles. So, you know, donating 10% more of their income or making major career decisions. And on the x-axis, you see the age when people joined. And basically the, uh, the dip in the, the left-hand corner of the graph shows that when folks are, you know, college age in, in grad school, um, if folks hear about effective altruism ideas at that time, they're more likely to um, be engaged later in the future, um, which I think is just, you know, one example of why university groups um, at the undergrad and grad school level can be quite influential. Um, and I think this makes sense. Uh, university is a time when folks are exploring their worldviews, have a lot of flexibility in their professional path, and have time. Um, in addition, um, we've seen uh, you know, effective altruism groups be quite successful at universities before in the past. So I think this is an opportunity where we can um, experiment and learn and, uh, yeah, grow the number of folks that are thinking thoughtfully about these ideas. So in terms of what the goals then are of um, university groups, I've tagged this as potential goals. I'll add some caveats at the end. I definitely don't think there's a one-size-fits-all um, idea of what the goals of university groups should be. But I want to cover three things today. Um, the first is trying to create students that are engaged EAs, folks that have a good understanding of EA principles and are taking significant action. A second goal is helping EA thrive over the long term. And a third goal could be retaining um, engaged EAs, folks that are, have a good understanding of EA principles and are taking significant action. I'm going to dive into these uh, each a bit more. So in terms of the first goal, so uh, in terms of creating engaged GAs, I have defined this as, and we've defined this within the Center for Effective Altruism, as having a strong understanding of EA principles, plus taking significant action based on those principles. Um, this doesn't just mean going to the most number of club activities, although perhaps club or society activities are a pathway to get here. And I want to distinguish out you know, what, what I think um, uh, an important goal is in terms of having folks have a strong understanding of EA principles. So by EA principles, I mean um, 
folks that um, are thinking about contributing some portion of their resources towards the common good. Sometimes we talk about this in an impartial, welfarist way. Um, think that some ways of doing good are better than others and that it's possible to identify these opportunities in a way that would change what actions we might otherwise take if we didn't think carefully about them. One of the common mistakes I see is that people read about EA as an idea and then they jump into advising others. And so I think it's really important for group leaders if they're thinking about how to make sure that other folks are having a strong understanding of EA principles is to invest in their own understanding. And I think that each of these EA principles that I've outlined, while there are just three bullet points, are pretty complex. I mean, we're trying to answer this big, complex ethical question about what matters most to do in the world and then how we would answer that in the abstract and then contextualize it to ourselves. So I think that it um, is like a complicated question that deserves a lot of thoughtfulness. I would encourage folks to attend Will Payne's talk on how to teach EA principles to group members, um, which is going to cover this a lot more in depth. So one thing that I think is really exciting about effective altruism is it's not just about asking these questions in the abstract. It's also about putting them into action. So um, after folks have explored and considered some of the key EA principles in a complex and nuanced way, it's important to think about how to act on those. Now, one model that I have is that um, there is a lot that we can do that has impact now, but the amount of impact we might have will probably grow over time. Thinking about um, you know, the amount of resources and experience that we have, folks might have kind of the, some of their most pivotal or impactful moments decades out from when they're in university. And so I think it's helpful to think about effective altruism groups as scaffolding for folks to think about ways in which they're putting into practice these principles so that they can take significant decisions in the future. Um, so some examples of starter actions, things that might get folks in the habit of applying effective altruism principles might be getting folks to make a donation um, that they think is most effective. Could be a great way to explore cause prioritization or thinking about you know, um, cost effectiveness or how they might uh, think about impact. Um, encouraging folks to think about their career plans. Um, maybe that brings up things that they want to test through an internship or a conversation, or maybe that brings up a big ethical question that they want to sort through that might change, you know, what cause they focused on or um, whether or not they think a specific pathway is positive or negative, um, where folks could write papers in their classes to further explore that ethical question. Um, so these are some examples of you know, starter actions that might help folks take significant action. Um, and I think that university groups are in a particularly well-placed position in order to encourage. So I want to do a quick poll. Um, when I have said someone's an engaged EA, I'm curious, you know, what folks heard me say, which of these options they might choose. Okay, so, um, yeah, maybe I hit this over the head a bit. Someone that's taking significant actions based on EA principles is, is what I emphasized. Um, I think knowing a bunch about EA is important, but you know, EA is not just about talking about ideas, it's also taking action based on them. And um, by engagement, I don't just mean foot traffic or showing up at things. I think it's important to kind of disentangle getting faces in the room versus having folks have a deep understanding of EA principles and be in action. And so, um, Distinguishing kind of this end goal from the mechanism is important. Um, I'm going to share the results with you guys, just so you can see what I was talking about. Okay, 
Um, so I've talked about um, how university groups can be Im important parts of helping folks um, have a significant understanding of EA principles and be taking action. Um, within this, I think it's important as we're thinking about exposing folks to the EA community to support underrepresented groups within effective altruism. EA has demographic skews. Um, it grew in part out of people using tools and fields like philosophy and STEM. And just as we've seen, uh, those fields have their diversity improve over time by folks putting effort into it. We're seeing diversity increase in some parts of EA as well. And I think it's important that we continue to put effort in that. Um, and the reason I care about this is because the problems we're trying to solve are incredibly complex and we're going to need a diversity of backgrounds and perspectives to make progress. Um, we also really want to make sure to engage and retain talented people. And um, we've often heard people say it can be alienating instead of motivating when someone notices they're the only one in a group with a particular identity or experience. And I think group leaders can play really significant roles in this. Um, some things that you might think about as a group leader is to encourage a diversity of backgrounds in your group, have one-on-ones with folks and ask them what would help them increase their impact more. Um, think about arranging social events, not just that represent your interests, but interests of other people in the group, maybe have folks co-host or organize them on their own. Um, and go look at the research on the EA Hub about how to make your group welcoming. Go to Jessica's talk about how to make your EA group welcoming. Now, I want to emphasize something that I'm not saying here. Um, I'm not saying that folks should carry out outreach that's indiscriminate or tokenized. I don't think you should try and recruit people just based on a demographic identity. Um, I also don't think that folks should try and misrepresent what effective altruism is. Sometimes I've seen people um, have conversations where they really, really, really want to make um, uh, folks feel like effective altruism can be for anyone. So someone will be like, I really care about this cause. And then they'll be like, yep, that's something that everybody within EA cares about, as opposed to saying, it's great you care about that cause. One thing we do with an effective altruism is carefully consider which causes should be top priority or how we can maximize well-being overall. Um, and I think sometimes folks get whiplash later if um, they're not kind of presented with um, some of the core claims of effective altruism in, a, in an introduction. So here are some initial tips about supporting folks from underrepresented groups as you think about growing the number of folks that are engaged with an effective altruism. Um, and I encourage you to, you know, look at some of the resources that I'll flag at the end of the talk as well for a more in-depth study. Okay. So, um, so far we've talked about um, creating, helping to support creating engaged EAs. Um, now I want to talk about how to help EA thrive over the long term and the role of group organizers in that. So um, I think there are a couple ways that group organizers play a really important role in how the EA community and field is built. Um, I'm going to call out a couple of them now. This isn't exhaustive. But um, one thing is that if you get approached by the media, you could reach out to CA's media contact person. Um, this can help advise you to make sure that EA ideas are portrayed in an accurate way. Um, if you have a situation where there's conflicts or mental health struggles within your groups, you could reach out to CEA's community health person um, who has a social work background and has helped a bunch of groups navigate a variety of different experiences. I think it's really important as a group organizer to use high quality material and good epistemic norms when you're discussing ideas. I have certainly seen situations where folks are 
put off of effective altruism principles because they were explained in a way that wasn't quite the right way, or someone made a claim that didn't seem particularly open-minded or particularly like they were approaching things in a truth-seeking way. Um, and finally, as a group leader, you're a cultural ambassador within your whole, um, uh, your like club and school. And so um, there are going to be reputational effects of how you lead the club and what the club does. And so um, making sure that you're positively thinking about the way you're shaping culture and reputation is going to be incredibly important. So I've talked about one goal of groups of creating engaged EAs. I've talked about a second goal of groups of helping EA thrive over the long term. The third one I want to talk about is retaining engaged EAs. Now, I think that this is something that we've neglected a bit within university groups. Um, the framing I had earlier was that folks can have an impact now, but their impact is going to continue to grow and peak impact might be decades from now. And if that's the case, um, it's important for university groups to think about themselves as, you know, one chain that an engaged GA might go through. And part of that might be thinking about how to make sure that folks that are graduating have a plan of how they're going to stay involved within EA ideas, or maybe are connected to a local city group. Or it could be thinking about how to reactivate alumni. Maybe you want to have alumni events or make sure to pair up alumni as mentors with folks in your group as a way both to help current group members, but also continue to keep alumni engaged. And of course, I think that, you know, one thing that um, university groups are great for is creating deep friendships um, where folks have value alignment, where they can help each other solve problems and where they can be, you know, support systems as they consider big life decisions in the future. Um, a final thing that I think also goes in this category about thinking about, you know, what's going to happen to um, folks over the long term in their journey is also thinking about how the group's going to continue. I've seen a couple situations where group organizers could spend 10% more time on their group, or they could spend 10% more time trying to think about a successor early. And that might mean the group can last two times as long. Now, this isn't tractable in every group, but thinking about who might be able to take over early, giving them small opportunities for projects to lead and mentorship, and then having a plan in place um, seems like it's definitely worth time and effort considering. So I'm going to do one more poll, but a different poll. Okay. I'm curious what folks think um, some of the goals of university groups are based on what I've said so far in this talk. Um, you can select multiple choices from the poll that's listed. Great. So here are the results. Um, the three things that I covered in this talk were growing the number of engaged GAs, helping EA thrive over the long term, and retain engaged GAs, which were the activities that were, um, or the goals that were selected in the middle. Um, getting as many people as possible to hear about EA um, wasn't a goal that I emphasized. I think that this um, getting folks to hear about EA initially might be a way to filter for folks that are excited about using the analytical tools, but I don't actually consider it an end goal for university groups in and of itself. I consider it a mechanism to um, find a pool of people that then might consider um, EA principles um, seriously and deeply and then apply them to significant decisions over their, last, their lifetime. Um, I also think that running a fellowship could be a plausible activity for a group, but isn't an end goal in and of itself. And I'll talk about this distinction between activities and goals a bit later in the talk. So 
Speaking of this emphasis on goals and not activities, um, this is a chain that we often use within CEA and is used um, in um, monitoring and evaluation research when nonprofits are planning that talk about how you can think about different stages of um, what might happen in a given situation. So in a given situation, for example, let's say you're thinking about running a fellowship, an eight-week program where individuals are trying to develop a deep understanding of EA ideas. You might have something like inputs where you have um, resources that are going in. So five hours of your time a week as an organizer setting up the fellowship. You might have activities. So a certain number of people running the fellowship. You might have outputs, things that directly happen as a result, like 50 students completing the fellowship. You might have um, outcomes, what you hope to happen if you know, your activity is successful, like an increased understanding of effective altruism. And you might have your ultimate impact or goal. In this talk, I've covered um, impacts or goals. In this example, it might be creating engaged GAs. Now, I'm not trying to be prescriptive about what activities should happen. I think that I want to give folks suggestions about what the end goals should be. And then activities can be tailored and should be tailored based on your group, your situation, what works for you. And there are probably going to be multiple activities that are important and contribute to each long-term goal or long-term impact that you're trying to create. But um, I do want to give an example of a common model that I see. It's something like one or a couple people are interested in effective altruism. They try and find other people that are excited about learning more about the tools or framework, either through an activity or a club's fair, or maybe doing like one or two high-profile speaker events. And then they have an intensive time where folks learn the principles of effective altruism more in depth. I think fellowships can be one pretty successful model in order to do this. Um, if you're interested in learning more about this, the EA, How to Teach Your Group Members About EA Principles talk, I think is going to be good in covering this. And then you have a core of folks that have a solid understanding of engaging with EA ideas that might be able to be the basis of your committee. Um, I think there are additional activities that can be done from here um, to help folks kind of build up the core knowledge because obviously eight weeks of talking about effective altruism ideas probably means that we haven't figured out all the ways to maximize impact in the world and what we should do individually to do so. Um, but also um, opportunities to encourage folks to take action. Um, one thing that I wanna flag here is that I think a lot of other clubs and student groups run projects. And I think projects can be helpful as a way to engage and learn about effective altruism principles. Um, but it's helpful to think that the end goal ultimately is thinking about how to apply the principles to your own life. And so it might be the case that um, doing this, um, there might be more direct ways in order to do this. And just because I, I think it's important for EA groups not to feel like they have to pattern match exactly what other clubs or university or clubs or societies are doing at their university. So in the couple last minutes of this talk, I want to add a big disclaimer to everything that I just said. Um, one is that I think it's really important to tailor all of this to the skills of the organizer or opportunities at the university. So I'm going to give you a couple of things that like deviate pretty strongly from a model that I just shared with you about how groups might try and pursue some of these goals. Um, the Stanford Existential Risk Initiative is a group of researchers at Stanford and um, academic professors who are interested in existential risk. So um, the Stanford EA group uh, has been supporting students to do research projects over the summer related to existential risk. I think that's a great example of an opportunity 
that's specific to the university that it was really good that the um, students took advantage of. When I was running a group at the Kennedy School, um, I noticed that when I put out a fellowship related to effective altruism in careers, I got a certain subset of the school who was interested in like U.S. federal government. And then when I did a different fellowship that was about um, thinking about how to add value to the long-term future and emerging technology, I got a different group of students. And so thinking about kind of what the student population is and what different messages might get students with different types of interests and how to tailor material. Um, and I've also seen examples of groups that look pretty different than what I've described. Things like a bunch of close friends that are trying to figure out big decisions that they're making together or really interesting ideas that are meeting regularly and having conversations and kind of building up these lifelong bonds. The purpose of all of this is, um, is that uh, I don't think that there's a copy cutter mold of groups. I think it is really helpful to think through goals. And I think it's also helpful to try not to reinvent the wheel. Um, I remember when I was leading a grad school group, I just went so long, like ordering pizza for like events that like one or two people would show up to and trying to piece them together. And I wish I had known about the fellowship resources that folks could apply to at the beginning of the semester and have a commitment device to follow up with, or even some of the structured podcast discussion groups where I wasn't trying to create things from scratch and talking to other group leaders about what worked. But then I think it's also important to tailor and test things based on your university context, what you see working in other clubs and societies, and what you think is a good match for your skills. The last thing that I really want to emphasize is it is absolutely okay if you choose not to run an EA-branded group. I think that there are times in which, because of your personal cause prioritization or because of the opportunities around you, it actually makes strategic sense and can be more impactful not to run an effective altruism-branded group. One example of this um, for me is when I was at business school running an EA group. I tried for a while, and I think um, some elements of uh, cause prioritization weren't quite the right fit for the large majority of students. We're talking about people who had already invested, you know, five or six years in a particular cause and sector. And I think it could have been more impactful looking back on it to run an animal advocacy, advocacy or animal welfare careers group and focus down on a specific kind of cause area or maybe partner with the Futurist Society and talk about ways that business leaders can contribute to long-termist work. Um, so I think it's definitely okay to not run an EA branded group. And it might be the case that folks are more interested in things that are adjacent to EA. So running a futurist group or running a rationalist group. And I think that, um, those are, those are like really valid options as well. <laughs>